Welcome to Honest to God, a collection of honest, frank and fluff-free interviews with various Christian leaders from all sorts of settings around the world, with me, Mark Pease. Well, hello and welcome, episode nine of Honest to God. We are nine-tenths of the way through this journey, 90% done. And what a journey it has been, from Ray Bevan to Ben Norton to Mark Kelly. I hope you're cheering these names as I read them out. Kate Botley, Cheeto Gideon, Phil Weaver times two, because that was a double header, And last week, Chip and Helen Kendall. Um, all the episodes still available on demand. There's my shameless plug. We really have been privileged and helped to see what was going on for these guys behind closed doors. You know, it's it's one thing to see a person's journey from the outside, but it's another thing altogether to see it in the light of all the challenges that they face and probably the thought processes that they're having to deal with. And the feedback we've been getting, uh, I mean, it's just incredible. And and thank you so much for the messages of support and encouragement. You know, it's took me about the best part of nine months, maybe more actually, to, to put this whole series together. And I'm just so glad that that we've done it because, um, and that many of you feel that it's worth it and, um, and it's been a great investment of our time. Anyway, uh, just a quick update on our mailbag. We haven't done that for a couple of weeks now and, and there's a good reason for that. And I will share more about that probably next week. Um, but just so you know, we have plans for all of your questions that have been coming in and rather than bolt them on to the end of interviews, we're going to we're going to do something with that and we'll talk more about that next week. So please continue. Keep in touch either through our email address, which remains honest to God pod at gmail.com. That is honest to God. That's the number two God pod at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with me on Facebook, on Twitter or Instagram, etc, etc, etc. Right then, let's get into today's interview. Today I'm interviewing the wonder that is Jane Dodds. Yes, that is Jane Dodds. And the crazy thing is that when I interviewed her earlier in the year, she was one thing. And now at the time of going to air, she is another thing. Intrigued? Well, at the time of interview, Jane was the International Director for Child Protection for the Salvation Army. You know, everybody's heard of the Salvation Army. Wonderful organisation. Such a great history, global, worldwide. And she worked for them based in London. And at the same time, she was and is still the leader of the Liberal Democrat Party in Wales. For those of you living outside of the UK, the Liberal Democrats are one of the major political parties in the United Kingdom. And so that's what she was. Um, and at the same time, she had just been put forward to be uh, the Liberal Democrat candidate for the constituency of Brecon and Radnorshire in the heart of Wales. So that's what she was. Now, at the time of airing, she is, I should have a, a I don't know, a fanfare or something as I read, <laughs> as I speak these things. But at the time of airing, she is the current serving member of parliament for the said constituency. Yes, she won the election and is our first MP. And so obviously the lesson of this story is that if you want to achieve anything in life, or you want to achieve your goals, you need to speak to the Honest to God podcast. <laughs> Only joking. 
But look at that. Uh, an MP, our first ever MP. And I'm hoping not the last. And for those of you who have been following the news, this is all the more interesting as it's the constituency that held their by-election just a week or two after Boris Johnson became the nation's Prime Minister. And so it was all over the press, all over the media, and, you know, uh, seen as, a, as a, a sign of Boris Johnson's popularity or, or how the nation think of his appointment. And, and if you can remember all that, that was the constituency, that was the by-election, and this is the lady that we're about to talk to that won that by-election. And Jane is a, a remarkable lady, and, and as she shares her journey, you know, from her deeply religious upbringing to finding her own faith in later life, from that sense of being called into politics and, and a deep, I suppose, God-given passion for social justice, it's fantastic to see how God has been with Jane every step of the way. And there are some real nuggets in here. So listen, let's just get on with it and, and get straight into it. Um, did I ever tell you the one about the lady who only went on and became an MP? All right. Well, uh, hello, podcasters. Um, it's another day. Uh, we're in another city. Um, I've got to say I'm thoroughly enjoying where I'm located today because I'm in the heart of good old London town and I am sat round a table with Jane Dodds. Hello there. Hi. It's good to have you on the, on the podcast and this is going to be an interesting one folks because um, I feel like with Jane she has many hats and um, before we get into those I'll just let Jane explain um, her hat. Talk about as many hats as you'd like to. Well, I think I've only got three, oh. um, but let me let me focus on two. Mm. So, obviously, the most important, which is uh, the one that has, is the main thread, I hope, through everything I do, is is being a Christian uh, and being a believer. Something I came to quite late uh, in my life. Uh, so, for me, that's a real real live thing that I've got to consider all of the time. I'm, I'm not a natural Christian, if you like. I'm somebody who just has to really reflect, think, stop, do everything in a very deliberate way. Um, I suppose the second hat is that I'm a, a Liberal Democrat. I'm leader of the Welsh Liberal Democrats, and I have uh, a current role uh, in that I am also a parliamentary candidate for a Mid Wales seat, and I actually live in Wales. I actually say that I live in Wales. Um, real born, Wales. Real Wales. Yes. That's Mid Wales. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, Mid or North Wales. So I was born in North Wales. Uh, I did go to university in South Wales, so I had a little bit of a time there in the outpost. Did they accept you back when you returned? Well, it was. I had to go through quite a few checks. <laughs> but nevertheless, I was accepted back, uh, and I now live in Mid Wales. Uh -huh. So, beautiful part of the world. Very rural, mm. and that's quite a big change for me because every week I do this commute because in the week at the moment... Um, I do stay in London in the week and I am the International Director for Child Protection for the Salvation Army uh, in the week. Wow. So those are my three hats. So first question, how do you find enough hours in the week? Or are there enough hours in the week? Well, I'm very blessed. Um, I have kind of always been somebody who works very early in the morning mm -hmm. and because they were the International Salvation Army I start work here at 7.30 mm -hmm. and uh, so that means I can finish sort of early late afternoon uh, and then I've got time to, to do what I need to do 
So I'm, you know, I'm very blessed um, and I go back to Wales every single weekend. That will change slightly. I'll be back in Wales a lot more uh, very soon. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, So yeah. Yeah. So there's always enough. I think there's always enough hours in the day Mm -hmm. for what you want to do. I think sometimes we choose for there not to be enough hours in the All day. All I'm saying is I'm glad my wife's not here at this point to uh, give me that look as if to say, yes, yes there's always enough. So, three hats. Um, for the sake of this podcast, all of those hats would, um, would um, merit a discussion in their own right. So, if at all possible, we're going to try and cover all three in a... In a it could be quite skitty, could be all over the place, but we'll, we'll touch on them all. Um, my first question is, Lib- Liberal Democrats, so politics, uh, Salvation Army, um, working with children, International Director for Child Services, um, an, an amazing thing, I would imagine, very rewarding, worthwhile. Um, how, how did you get into those two? Which came first? Was it the chicken or the egg? Um, was there a sense of, was it by accident? Um, or was it by you know, one thing leading to another. Would you say that there was a, um, it was a plan? How did you get to this place? Okay, so I don't think it was a plan. Mm. Um, but of course, it is a plan because God has that plan. Mm. So I, for me, I'd always wanted to be a social worker. So mm. I started as a social worker 27 years ago um, because of the issues around social justice feeling inequality in our society, mm-hmm. feeling we needed to do something as individuals or as, as agencies to address those inequalities in our society. Uh, and so I started 27 years ago as a social worker, frontline child protection work, carried on doing that. I was actually a member of the Labour Party for quite <laughs> a considerable period of time. So 27 years ago? Uh, so not not 27 years ago, perhaps about 20 years ago, I was a member of the Labour Okay, so post-Michael Foot was it into the, the Pre, Scottish guy? No, oh. Well, it was it was pre-Tony Blair, okay. so, and it went into Tony Blair, yeah. um, and I resigned over the Iraq War, mm-hmm. so that was towards the end of his time yeah. as Prime Minister, I think. Uh-huh. I can't remember exactly when that was. Um, so I, res- I left the Labour Party and went into the political wilderness years and then joined the Liberal Democrats in 2006. So I haven't mm. been a long-time member. The thing for me about politics is that so many people who are in politics, uh, whatever that means, have got their families in politics. Mm. So they've got some link with politics through mm. their families. My family was not like that. Mm. So my family was a Welsh Presbyterian family. Nobody was into politics. My my mum was, you know, sometimes Plaid Cymru, which is the Nationalist yeah. Party in Wales, uh, sometimes Labour. My dad was an absolute anti-politician. But what happened for me is that I became very interested in South American, Central American politics, mm. uh, which really was about, at the time, that there was massive repression by, I guess, the USA mm-hmm. and countries like Nicaragua, Chile, mm-hmm. uh, El Salvador, etc. Uh, and I became very interested in that, which is what led me into kind of the Labour Party and socialist mm-hmm. politics then. I became very interested in the link between faith and politics mm-hmm. through liberation theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Archbishop Oscar Romero, who mm-hmm. was assassinated, uh, in San Salvador, I felt was uh, you know a real, real Christian at at his heart, uh, and that inspired me to get to look into it further. Bearing in mind that I was brought up as a Welsh Presbyterian, 
you know, in a household which was very, I would say, religious. Mm. So church three times on a Sunday, no homework. Proper Christian then. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I don't know about proper Christian, <laughs> but it was a very, very kind of, we were, yeah. it was religiosity, it was rules, it was laws, uh, and I, I kicked back, I went away from it when I was in my teens, um, and really I didn't come back to the Lord for about 20 years, so he, he was definitely leading me, he was definitely taking me to a place that I, that obviously I couldn't see at the time, but he was saying, you know, you're interested in this kind of social justice angle, but actually, you're not going to go straight into it now. You're going to, mm. you're going to re- lead quite a sinful path, mm. and I'm going to bring you back. Mm. So, um, so yeah, that th- those are the kind of links there. And being a social worker in child protection, uh, again, very blessed. I, I was at frontline child protection for a long period of time. I became a manager, you know, service manager, senior manager. Um, I did fabulous jobs. I managed all of the children's services at the Refugee Council. Mm -hmm. So I worked with refugees and asylum seekers for a long time. And I learned an awful lot there Mm -hmm. about different faiths, um, you know, the struggles that people go through. Uh, And again, wasn't really clear where the Lord was in that, but he was definitely there. Um, and came to be um, part of the national safeguarding team at the Church of England. Mm -hmm. And then this role came up, which is a new role Mm -hmm. for um, the Mm organisation. So that's how I've ended up here. So when did that that come up? Two years, three years ago, uh, 2016. So I can understand now how that whole background in social justice from, you know, social work and, and actually for anybody out there who might care or may not, I, I must disclose um, that uh, my father, who runs a charity, uh, works very closely with Jane. So actually, professionally, quite quite similar backgrounds. Yeah, and I, I, I think we all come at it from different directions. Um, you know, you have to have a heart for social work. Mm. Um, you have to you know have a passion for it because it's hard work Mm. it really is doing it day in day out working with people and their difficulties and their pain and Mm. their sorrow Uh, and what you want to do is to put it right and Mm. what you want to do is to stop that pain Mm. but you know you can't Mm. uh, and that's a very hard journey to go on on to try and come to a place where you think I'll do what I can right now uh, in this particular moment of time to try and move things on for this person or this situation but really um, you know you can't change everything which is what you'd love to do make make people smile you'd love to make people laugh you'd love to sort it all out for them but there's so much background and history usually in people's lives that it's difficult to do that so how I would imagine that I mean, one of the reasons I'm really excited about this conversation is all my other interviews up to this point, and I don't know which one this is, you know, I've got 10 interviews in this series. I don't know whether this is going to go out number one or number, I've yet to put the order together, but I can guarantee you that this, just about everybody else I've spoken to is a, uh, a minister, I suppose, more of the traditional sense. So, you know, I've spoken to Anglicans, spoken to Evangelicals, Charismatics, you know, uh, in for a penny, in for a pound, speak to, speak to anybody. But what I like about this is what you've described with regards to politics and um, working in social services and eventually over the past few years here with the Salvation Army, in my view, is as much ministry um, as anything else that people maybe traditionally associate with ministry. So in all of that, 
um, you were talking about helping people and the responsibility and the pain. Um, talk to us a, a little bit about that. Um, from which, from whichever hat, how do you handle whether it's you know working with something with with children at the front line, or you know working into communities? I mean, this is ministry looking to affect and improve and help people in their lives and their experience. Talk to us about the journey. Yeah, I think I think if I take a position of having been a frontline child protection social worker, mm. so did that for a very very long time, working literally with families and children who we had to remove from their families, for example, because of the abuse that they'd suffered. Uh, I think for me, it is about doing the best that you can. And you, you, you acknowledge that the best you can do is, is to take a child or children out of a very painful situation uh, and to, to make them safe. And that's, that's what you can do at that particular point in time. How that then translated for me is that I knew that I was doing some very, I was doing individual work, sometimes effective, sometimes not. You know, we know the statistics around children who go into care and their outcomes, that they're always not successful. Mm. They often go on to lead very damaged lives themselves, unfortunately. Mm. But what that, le that led me to was think, actually, I need to look broader than this. I look, mm. need to think about what can I do to change a system or mm. bring something new in. I'll give you a very direct example. Mm. A very direct example for me was I worked in a secure unit for young people, young boys actually. Um, and I worked with young offenders. Uh, I went to many young offenders institutions and saw, you know, clients there, children mm. there. And it broke my heart. It broke my heart in lots of ways because Many of them are from very, very broken backgrounds. Um, the proportion of black and minority ethnic children in those institutions is disproportionately high in terms of the numbers in the population. Mm. And thirdly, those places are absolutely shameful, mm. disgraceful places. Mm. You know, they're Victorian institutions in the main, and they're outside towns, and no, nobody goes there. Mm. Nobody knows about what happens in there. You know, the criminal age of responsibility in England and Wales is 10. Hmm. In Scotland, it's just gone up from 8 to 14. Um, but still, I think even 12, 13, 14, 15-year-olds, are, are, they're, they're children, mm -hmm. and we lock them up. So I'd go and see the boys there in the main, and I'd think, you know, what can I do for you? That This is just a slim part of your life, and sadly, you know, the, the statistics will be that you'll probably end up back in prison. As well as being in this terrible place, which I thought was abusive and emotionally um, inappropriate. So I thought, well, what I want to do is ban this. I want to stop children going to prison. And how can I do that? Well, one option is as a politician. And I've always said since then, if I got into politics seriously, if I got to be an MP, I would want to introduce a private member's bill, which says we do not imprison children. And that's what I'd want to do. But there's lots of other things I want to do as well. Mm -hmm. So benefit systems, mm -hmm. poverty in families. Um, you know, there's some brilliant Christians working in these in, in food banks. Mm -hmm. And they are just selfless people who are absolutely there to try and do what they can at a moment in time mm -hmm. for people who are cruelly treated by what I say is a war on the poor. 
that is wrong. And whilst you can do little bits and pieces, I want to say, no, I'm, I want to do everything I can to stop that system. So there is a direct link for me between working at the front line with people who are in pain to taking that to a place where I want to see things change, policies, practice, um, and I want to see that change in, 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 a, you know, in, in a way which affects everybody and is systematic. So how do you stay, how do you stay focused when the goal is so big? You know, I want to change the world. You know, I, I want to see some, I want to implement some, implement some world-changing um, change that's going to improve the life of children. When on the other hand, you look at the start of the journey and it just looks so far away. Talk, talk to us a little bit about yeah. that. You, know, you as the individual, you as the... Um, because I think a lot of the time people people have great aspirations but get in uh, intimidated because of the size of it and hearing you talk I'm thinking wow this is if I lived in your constituency you'd have my vote um, and it, but I would imagine with that there comes um, challenges sometimes frustrations because you, you want to see change and you want to see it now um, how do you square all that and how do you maintain that balance and focus I think that's a really Good question, and I'm not sure I've got the answer, but from my personal perspective, um, about seven years ago, if somebody had said to me, Jane, you will be a parliamentary candidate, I'd have said, absolutely no way in a month of Sundays would I be a parliamentary candidate. I'm not that sort of person. First of all, I'm female, and whatever you think about the gender balance and addressing inequalities in terms of gender in our society, we still are nowhere near that in terms of mm -hmm. parliament and in terms of representation. So, you know, I'm female and I've got a lot to overcome then. Secondly, I'm from a background that's not experienced in this. Mm. I don't have the skills, I don't have the connections, I don't have the networks, etc. Anyway, this, the long and short of it is that seven years later, I am a parliamentary candidate. Mm. And if you look at some amazing people across time, and, and I, I can only think of, you know, two big ones, but there are people who've done small changes which have made a big difference. Mm. Maybe even just one to one or two people's lives or a group of 10 or 15. Mm. You look at Beveridge mm. um, and the work that he did mm. to move society's thinking on. He was one person who did that. If you look at Anarin Bevan, just choosing some Welsh people here as well, obviously. And I like um, the way you say the Welsh name <laughs> with a pronounced Welsh accent. Absolutely. So, an Adam Bevan set up the health service. Yeah. He was a, he was on he was a, a man with a vision. He had a vision to make sure that we had health service that was open to all, no matter how much money you had, no matter what your condition was, no matter what your your health situation was, you could have a health service. Mm. William Wilberforce, mm -hmm. you know. Actually, he, he was an amazing guy who turned from slavery mm -hmm. to being against slavery. So there are individuals who have brought about change and have brought about a vision for society that they want to see, that they think is for the common good. I'm not saying that person is me. I'm not saying that that person is, you know, anybody I know. But if, if I think about colleagues, if I think pe uh, people I know... You know, I, I won't name them, but I think they have stuck to their guns on things when it's been difficult and tough and thought, no, I believe this is the right thing to do for our society. And I believe in this and I will stick with it.
So in those moments, um, when the vision is clear and the vision is, is there and you know what it is that you're working towards, in those challenging times, I was going to say, how do you handle it? But maybe in those moments where you think, I don't know if I can, or it's too big, or it's beyond me, um, are the people that you've been able to go to? Uh, has there been that kind of support network? Particularly if you you said you, you felt sometimes you're a bit of a, an outsider coming into this area, and I don't know how accommodating and welcoming it is. So is that there? Is that is that kind of network camaraderie um, soundboard thing? Or, or is it pretty much a, the more I do this, the more I realise it's things can be there on flip chart and, and in documents and manuals, but, but I'm, I'm consistently amazed at how many people are just on their own. How, how is it for you? Yeah, I, and, and that is really sad, isn't it? I think my experience is that once I took the step and said, this is who I am, this is the honest person. Mm. I um, this these are my values, and I won't say that every value in the Liberal Democrats party and mine are to, are, are at one. Mm. Um, but once I'm, I've been very clear about where I want to go and why I want to go there. I have found an amazing group of people who've just stuck by me. Mm. And even though they may not have agreed with me, mm. they can see where I want to go and, mm. and that vision. And that's the first thing. Mm. Uh, the second thing is that, you know, my church and prayer group are really important to me. Mm. Uh, and that has sustained me. Even when things haven't changed for the better, mm. um, just knowing that people are there in prayer uh, I think for me strengthens the resolve mm. uh, and you know it's it, it must be a hard journey I think to go on if you are somebody who is perhaps take an example of, of a totally different faith and you convert to Christianity for mm. example because I think you're then in a fa your family may reject you your mm. community may reject you that hasn't happened to me, mm. and I think if you know that that must be a double, a double mm. whammy. I know of somebody who is in, in that place, mm. and the really important thing is 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 being there, maintaining contact. I think just a really, a really solid word of encouragement, mm. which is heartfelt, time taken with somebody, mm. just finding ways of just reaching out. You know, we've got texts. We've got Facebook, uh, you know, we've got all the WhatsApp stuff. Just a little mm -hmm. message that okay. says, just thinking about you today, yeah. heard it wasn't great for you yesterday. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, a little card. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you about something here, which is a little bit of a hobby horse of mine. I collect serviettes. Okay. I love serviettes, as you do. As mm -hmm. you do. Mm -hmm. If I see a really nice, you know, beautifully done set of serviettes, which are reasonably priced... I will buy three or four. Are we talking... Um, Paper serviettes. Okay. Yeah. So decorated... Yeah. So yeah. they could be, you know, with not, anything Not your on 500 them. for £1.50 serviettes. Not no, at okay. all. Okay. Oh, goodness me, no. No, they, they, they have to be... I mean, you can get some really lovely ones, 20 for £1.50. Uh, I won't mention the name of the shop. But I will buy four or five of those. Mm. 
and I'll put them in envelopes for people mm. and send them when perhaps things are not great for them. Mm. And just little things like that, and I get gifts from people. So I think it's just really yeah. saying, you know, I'm thinking about you, thoughts about you, uh, praying for you, think, you know, just, you, I, I'm just remembering what's going on for you today. Mm. That's, that's enough, right. really, for me. Mm. Um, and I hope, I would never want anybody to feel alone. I mean, loneliness for me is a big thing that I want to campaign on as well. Mm. Um, because, you know, I, I know from my elderly parents who've now since passed away, I know that was a real issue for them, particularly people suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia. Mm. I think they, uh, you know, society just doesn't, still doesn't know mm. how to work with them and we, we can shy away and move away and... For my parents, that's exactly what happened to them. Mm. So being alone and loneliness, you know, is, is something personally I feel we need to really do everything we can as a society mm. to reach out to. Mm. Do, you think that, um, do you think that with regards to the things that you're working towards, are they born out of... Um, well, let me put it another way. We were talking downstairs, weren't we, about the humanity... And oftentimes we, um, you just mentioned dementia uh, and loneliness. Um, we, we can often, society can get us to look at these things as issues and topics, but we forget the humanity behind the thing. So loneliness, um, for many, is just a thing, but actually behind that, you talk about your parents, there's, there's a humanity there. And I'm reminded of the scripture which says, you know, the treasure hmm. is in earthen vessels. And yet we spend so much time on the, on the treasure and what we're reaching for that we forget the humanity. The for every issue, there's a there's a person. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that the people that you are with, that you campaign with, that you journey with, that you talk with, that you pray with, or whatever, do you feel like there's an imbalance between issue and humanity? Do you, do you think? Do you think if people saw the people more, if we saw human beings more, we'd be making more progress? Uh, yeah, I do, absolutely. And, and I don't know why, why it is that we still, you know, including I still, kind of will separate the issue from the person. I think what social work does do when you're at the front line is, is the two come together um, because you face up to the real pain uh, of that that person has been in uh, and if I take again frontline child protection in the UK you know there, there were real real children whose parents had been through exactly the same as those children were going through um, and there, there was no way of undoing it quickly enough so that their children wouldn't have to go through the same thing uh, and I think we we kind of think, how how do we stop this circle, hmm. um, but do, but forget that every little thing we can do in that circle will will have an impact. We might not see it there and then, and I think if I look back at a lot of the children I worked with who were in care, for example, I don't know what effect I had because they're now they'll now be adults, probably with children of their own. Um, if you can plant a seed, if you can change one person's life. If you can make a connection that is real humanity, if you can give somebody a better life, even a, a better death, that is that is that is worth worth it all, you know. And, and I think the other thing in society we are we do forget about bereavement and dying, 
we we concentrate we love births you know just had one royal mm. baby born you know like it's it's never happened before and that's wonderful mm. isn't it it's wonderful but how do we how do we talk about death and bereavement in a in 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 a way that is enabling to people it's so scary and we we you know that's another connection for me that says we just detach the person from the issue and it is um not that we want to get morbid but death is a part of life it's a part of the one out of one of us die (laughs) and so as a politician who loves statistics Hooray for the first statistic Absolutely. Uh, of the interview. <laughs> one out of one person dies, indeed. That's, a, that's quite a high um, take rate. Yeah. And we don't talk about no, it. No, we don't. We don't talk about no. it in our churches. We don't talk about it in our society. Oh, well, in our society, of course, which mm. is perhaps in other cultures and societies they do. Mm. I don't, I, you know, you hear about it and you're not sure if it's anecdotal or if that's real, but... We don't talk enough about no, about death, bereavement, how we can really enable people to have good deaths. Mm. Um, what does that mean? What does mm. that look like? You know, I know palliative care nurses who talk about that, and I'm full of admiration yeah, for them. Absolutely. You know, that is that is something that really just it it just takes takes away people talk about child protection you know it must be so difficult must be so painful but I think working with people who are dying and particularly children who are dying Mm. is is a different league Mm. altogether yeah I mean I can't even start to get my head around things like that and so that I mean that kind of leads me on to something else I wanted to ask in terms of some of the things that you've seen that you've I don't know campaigned for um, I'm sure there've been highs and periods where you feel like the strategic plan is coming to fruition, and and here we go, and 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 I'm sure because it's the same for everybody, there are times when things don't work as planned, and have there been moments where things have happened, and you don't necessarily need to talk about the thing that's just really I don't know either shaken you or challenged you and made you think I don't know if I can go on. Um, it's too big. Um, am, I, am I just swimming upstream all the time and, and, you know, one step forward, not that you can take a step when you swim, but, you know, one yard forward, three yards back. And, you know, even to the extent where sometimes it can really challenge, you know, who you are, your faith, your... Um, have there been moments like that for you? Oh, they definitely have. Um, you know, some very personal, uh, painful moments where I have absolutely thought, you know, this isn't for me. I'm going to move away from this. I'm going to try and escape from this. Um, And other moments where you think you're getting somewhere and there's a massive kickback and a massive knockback Mm -hmm. that takes you back months, if if not, will never happen. Um, For me, it is still down to faith. It is still down to knowing there are people around me who are thinking and praying for me. It is also about thinking other people must have been here and they've mm. been okay. They've survived, they've been through it. Perspective, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and, you know, God refines our gold. That so stays with me. Mm. He, never, he never leaves us. 
and we there will be times where we think he has but but he is that other mm. he is that other set of footsteps uh, or he is carrying us and there's just one set of footsteps and yeah at the time you think it's never ever going to go away you think it's never going to change and why has he done it why has he done it but now i can tell you something that happened to me at a, a period in my life maybe of about 10 years things happened time after time after time and I could not understand why they were happening. And mm. now I know exactly why they've happened. Mm. Looking back, I can see this is where God wanted me to be. Mm. This is where God has placed me. This is where he has set things around me, which if I'd have followed the path I wanted to, mm. if I'd have thought, yes, that's, that's the ideal life for me, why, why isn't he letting me do that? Why hasn't he given me that? Why has he taken that away? Now I know why. Now I really know why, but it's hard. Let's not, let's not think it was. It's easy because it is hard. And where do you go with it? I think people have their own individual ways. But I think as society, we have an absolute duty and obligation to look out for each other, to make sure that we are there for whatever that is, whatever thing that is. So we are kind words. We do everything in love. We listen more than we speak, so I'm not very good at that. You know that. Well, I love that. Is it? Is it? Jane? Is it in James? Slow to listen. Slow to speak. Slow fast to, speak. to listen. Yeah. That usually is. What usually happens is we're quick to speak and slow to listen. Totally. The old uh, charismatic preacher says, "Why God gave us two of these and one of these." One of them out. Mm. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, so that that thing just about sitting and listening to somebody. Mm. It's hard, it's hard, because you just want to leap in, and, or you just want to go away, or you've got something to do, or you're looking at your watch, or you're thinking, okay, oh, gosh, I've got a list of jo jobs to do, but I'm just going to stay here and listen. That is worth its weight in Go World several times over. So where, where do you go? I think you, you, you think of others, you think that somebody else has been here probably much worse, which is absolutely true. Um, you think of what the Lord does for each and every single one of us in so many different ways mm. and you and you think right I need somebody to pray for me right now mm. and we've got texts we've got Facebook and, and I have done that mm. I have done that with with my prayer group mm. you know quick please can you just pray for this mm. just right now and that upholds me for this that period of time mm. and speaking as I don't know what politicians would refer to people like me as, but as as, as the public, the electorate, the um, the you know the average Joe Schmo, it's um, hearing you talk has reminded me. We all know the fact that we're supposed to pray for those in government and in council and and um, and our representatives and you know those working towards that. But oftentimes we don't look at the people that way. So we were talking about humanity not long ago. And what's been very clear hearing you talk about some of the amazing things that you're doing and working and striving towards is your humanity. The fact that you're a normal human being, um, a proud Welsh girl, uh, loves God, just wants to help people. And sometimes we just lose sight of that because of the label. They're a politician, you can't trust any of them. I'm sure you must get that all the time or, oh, you're all the same. And, and that's... so. What I'd like you to do is, I call this with some of the people that I've spoken to, 
this is your Radio 2 moment, your thought for the day moment. Um, a lot of things about your journey is quite unique. You know, you're, you're, you're in quite specialised areas. You know, working with children here at the Salvation Army, just the most amazing global international organization standing the test of time and and i'm sure like every organization there are challenges but the legacy uh, is phenomenal um and then on the other hand parliament um you know aspiring and and working into a constituency and looking to so with all of that it can seem very unique and specialized but at the same time a lot of what you've shared i know that people listening to this will be able to empathize and apply a lot of those challenges or you know i'm I'm in this area, but I can really identify with that. So I don't know who's listening to this, and I don't know when they're going to be listening to this. This is all part of his design. Uh, but I know that the people listening to you are meant to be listening to you. So this is your moment to speak to them. In whatever sphere they are, the sphere is irrelevant. What advice would you give them for those who feel like, I don't know, they've had enough? the thing that they thought was from God for them to do at this moment in time just seems beyond possible or beyond even fair. Um, what would you say to them? I would say be yourself. Reach out to your brothers and sisters in Christ uh, and be, be reliant on him. I think we... We are just so much, we think we can do it. We think we can do it either on our own, uh, without other people. We think we can do it on our own without God. We think we can do everything and it will be all right. But I think it's just pause. I mean, here's something which obviously a Welsh person would say, and a Yorkshire person, which is just pause, have a cup of tea. Put the kettle on. Yeah, and when, I, when I've been a duty manager in a social work service, which has been massively under pressure, so when you have child protection referral after child protection referral, managing a big team, they're about to go out and do some really painful work. Mm. They're about to potentially remove children. Maybe we're going out with the police, for example. Maybe we're going out to, with a mental health team. Maybe we're going out with uh, you know, a mixture of the two. And, and I'll have multiple teams going out to do that work. I would always say to everybody, right, what we're going to do is we're going to plan it, but before we do that, we're just going to have a cup of tea. Mm. And so stop, just pause, whatever you drink, have a cup of tea, coffee, cold drink, whatever. Just pause and just say, okay, I really believe this is the right thing to do. Uh, I want to pray about it. I want to see if others will just pray for me. Like I might hear their prayers or not. Mm and then do it and know that he, he is with you and he will hold you up in whatever circumstances that, that will be. Fantastic. Well, listen, Jane, um, A, I think that's a great place to pause and B, thank you for speaking to us. And I know I found it very helpful. Um, perspective is an amazing thing. It's amazing how you can hear people's different journeys that on the outside look different, but actually it, the, the thread that runs through it is, is also similar. And I found that really helpful, so I know a lot of the guys listening will. And I think for us, um, for Podcast Land and for myself, um, we pray for your continued success, whatever that looks like. Not, not the way the world deems it, but your 
ability to carry out your God-given purpose. Um, we pray that he continues to give you the strength to do it. And we pray, I love that proverb where it says he gives us favour. We have favour not only with God, but with man. I pray that wherever you go, God's favour will just envelop you. And I look forward to hopefully, if you're up for it, doing a um, This Is Where She Is Now podcast and, um, and following up. But listen, Jane, thank you so much for talking to us today. Well, thank you, Diolch <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll see you guys back in the car. So there you have it, Jane Dodds, Member of Parliament for Brecon and Radnorshire, talking to the Honest to God podcast. Yeah. Anyway, some really interesting points she makes in there. And also, she's right. Um, we never talk about death. Uh, now, if you've just skipped to this part of the episode, and that's the first thing you've heard, um, we never talk about death without listening to the interview. That will sound crazy. But listen, it's true, and, and maybe that's something that we can start to look at later, at a later date, and in another podcast. But anyway, my main takeaway from this conversation is this. Don't ever ignore those passions, those desires, those interests that are with you in earlier life, uh, as they may well be the things that will play a significant part in your own destiny. And we've seen that with Jane, that those passions uh, that were there were harnessed, you know, from working in social services, in frontline care, to, to getting involved with the Salvation Army, getting into the political realm, and, and now we see her at Westminster, at, at the heart of national politics. It's amazing what God can do and will do as he works with your desires and your strength. So listen, I wonder what it is that God has placed in you that maybe you are just dismissing as a hobby or something that you enjoy, but actually it may have a bigger part to play in your life and the lives of others and perhaps it will do so more than you actually realize or dare to admit so listen there's a thought for the day anyway that is it episode nine i suppose in the bag in the can whatever the technical term is um next week stop 10 episode 10 of our 10 week journey but also with some updates and some news about future things. Uh, looking forward to it. Next week, we're going to speak to a guy called Andrew Grimshaw. Uh, Andrew is a pastor in Manchester in the north of England. And I've known him a long time. And, and, and actually, the interview with Andrew was the first one that we recorded. So I don't know why we've done the first till last or the last. I think Jesus had something to say about that. And anyway, um, <laughs> but next week, it's gonna. I really enjoyed talking to Andrew. I know you're going to enjoy it too. So until then, we are almost there. This is Mark Pease um, coming to you live from the north of England in my office saying adios. Adios.